listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. You're listening to the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love. Thank you for joining me on the show. We've got an interesting guest with an interesting topic today that I think is going to help you. Our guest is Catherine Porter who is a management consultant to law firms and focuses on legal project management solutions for law firms. But you know what? Her topic is malleable. If you're in professional services, this is definitely going to be applicable to what you do. We're going to talk about things such as client journey mapping. That's an interesting concept. Stay tuned. This is going to help you to figure out what's the best way to onboard clients into your process. This podcast, as always, is sponsored by Leopard Solutions, legal intelligence suite of products, Firmscape and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. Also, if you're in the recruiting industry, check out the Placement Club. This is a free learning community for experienced recruiters that I put together last year. We've got almost 900 members. Go to theplacementclub.com and check it out if you're in the recruiting industry. Thanks for listening, and I hope you get some really good ideas from my conversation with Catherine today. Hey, this is Scott Love with the Rainmaking Podcast, and our special guest today is Catherine Porter, and our topic is human-centered design to attract and retain more clients. Catherine, thanks for joining me on the show today. Yeah, thanks, Scott. It's great to be here. Now, this is good. My first question is this. What is human-centered design? I think I may have heard of that somewhere, but I'm not really sure. Kind of give us a working definition, and then I want to dig into how we can use that to attract and retain clients. Kind of kind of help me out. What is that exactly? Well, as the name implies, it, it focuses on the, the humans involved with any product or any service. And so really understanding the needs and behaviors of those people and using that to develop solutions that they actually that actually meet those needs. Okay. Uh, so help me get my arms around this. For people that are in a business development role for professional services. How does that help us to get in front of clients? Yeah, well, I think it helps because you're you're really understanding who you're selling to. So that helps you work like to develop your strategy and how you're going to approach those. And I think it's really important to know who you want to approach. I, I know I was at a small firm doing litigation and I started and I was all gung-ho to really start doing business development. And I said, to the managing attorney, I was like, well, so what, what would you say our specialty is? And she said, or who do we help? And she's like, businesses. I was like, okay, can we narrow that down a little bit? Like, <laughs> what do we do for them? Everything. And I was like, yeah. So I think part of humans of design is, you know, let's narrow that down a little bit and really understand the problems that our potential clients are facing so that we can speak directly to those answers. And, and, the way I, uh, the example I like to give, uh, even though this is a product, it's still, I think, helpful to kind of explain human-centered design is, is think about Apple. When right. you buy an iPhone, you don't just go to the store and buy the iPhone. It's like you, you walk into this beautifully curated store or, right. or website, right? Then when you get, you know, you buy it, it looks beautiful. It's in this beautiful, pristine white box and like that. It's not just a, a product. It's a, a whole experience. And Apple plays on yeah. that. They do that really, really well. They really, you know, understand that that's the, they're giving their client, their customers, not just a product. They're giving them this whole experience. That's interesting. Cause I remember anytime I'd open up an Apple product, I still remember how the plastic layers are on top of each other and you pull it off mm-hmm. and it just comes neatly off. And then 
just the way they even package it, you're right. And even the quality of the boxes that they would use to pack it in. You're like, I don't want to throw this box away. I could probably sell it and make some money somewhere because it's <laughs> such a nice box. You just look at that. That's just a nice box. So that's interesting. So you're saying that we as professional service providers should look at the whole experience of our prospects and clients working with us as a way, as an area where we can make improvements. Is that what you're saying, Catherine? Exactly. And I think the first step is to really develop that empathy. And that's design thinking is often used to implement human-centered design. And the first step there is, is empathy and developing empathy. So that means you really understand those clients and their needs. And so that could be interviews. It could be intake, right? Where you're just really learning about what they need, listening to them. And also, and then so helping the, so you can focus the solution and deliver the solution that they're really looking for. I think, you know, I'm a lawyer and I think a lot of professional service providers such as lawyers, you know, tend to take the view that they're the experts in the room. Like, just tell us, you know, what the problem is and we'll solve it. But I think more and more we're moving away from that and clients are are, are more sophisticated, they're more knowledgeable, whether that comes from Google or somewhere else. And so I think that, you know, we really need to take the time to understand the client's objectives might not, it might not be what we think it is. And so- That's interesting. Taking the time to understand that will really help the client feel valued, the prospect feel valued, like, okay, this person really understands me. And then hopefully that, and going through the, like, hopefully they become clients and then it helps that relationship just continue to grow. That's, that's really interesting. And I think it's even more important, especially now and in the near term future, as any sort of professional service seems to be increasingly competitive. And you have some people on one end, they're going to capture business just by lowering price and they're not going to do anything else. And that's all they can do. Other people that for years have relied on their firm or their organization's brand equity, that might not mean as much to somebody. So I think what you're talking about is something that can be a competitive advantage for someone to really look at their whole experience of a client working with them. And I like that. We're going to improve our whole experience so that we can grow closer and attract and retain more clients. And the first step is to develop that empathy. So have you ever worked with a client of yours where they just had a tough time really caring, really having that empathy? Have you ever seen that before? Well, I think, yeah, I've seen it before. I think one of the things that, that I think I just read it in the American Bar Association book and they were talking about how lawyers in particular have this sense of urgency where they just don't want to plan. And I yeah. think that's, really hard. Like people, all of business development can be challenging, right? You're just like, why am I investing all this time in doing this effort? Like, it's just, it's not always a priority. It's not always the easiest thing to do. And and, and so I think like, okay, taking the time to develop the empathy and to really interview and understand the client, it's like, well, I, I'm the expert. I know what they need. Yeah. Like I just need to meet them and then I'm fine. And it, it's just really challenging. That mindset is, is, can be tough. Yeah, that's interesting. I think when it gets bad enough, then they're going to change, right? When they realize that I'm not getting the call like I used to, and there's so many more competitors, how do I get the business? So let me ask you this. Let's say you're working with a client and one of your clients, and they have empathy. The executive leadership team is on board. They know they need to make improvements and they have to change because they're losing business. So you feel that they have the right amount of empathy. They're very sincere about this. Where do you take them next after you're working with them to really use that human-centered design in making improvements? 
Yeah, I think the first thing is to, I'm a big fan of maps. There's a lot of mapping in my world, but it is a client journey map and they can be really high level or really detailed. And you just kind of walk through the different touch points that the client has. And you uh, think about who, and by you, I mean, anybody at your company. So it means Mm -hmm you know, who's sending the invoices, like, do they, that's a touch point, right? Sending the invoices, the managing partner, that managing the matter, managing the client, that's obviously, you know, a main touch point. And so like throughout the journey thinking, what, how are they thinking? What do they need? What do they feel? And how do we help them do that? And, and it isn't just the client, journey. So even though there's a journey map and the journey map is a client, but you're also thinking about your support staff and the you know business office and how they're interacting with the client. And it also is developing, and this is, I think, something that people really resist is understanding what your people need, what your people need to provide that really good experience to that client. And so wow. anybody who touches that client, their needs and behaviors need to be addressed. Well, this is interesting. So how long does it take? Have you seen organizations to really journey, map out this whole client journey map? How long does it take for them to really get into that? You know, it really shouldn't take all that long. It's it's just a matter of, of doing it. And it might be, and it's an iterative process. That's design thinking, human-centered design. is all about you know, iteration and trying and trying getting better. And of course, once you've got some models already laid out, you can use those over and over again, because the client journey might be different for some types of matters, but overall, most of your similar matters are going to have similar client journey maps, right? And so I think that it shouldn't take more than a few hours, I would say, but the the tricky part is using that map. You don't want to just stick it in a drawer and never think about it, right? You need to figure out what are the action steps that are priorities out of this. That's, yeah, that's interesting. And and is this like a flow chart that you've seen where it has the circles for the beginning and the end, the arrows to show the action squares yeah, and triangles? That, that could be one way to do it. I've also seen it done on an Excel spreadsheet where you have the like touch point on the top and then the people involved are listed and, and it could be roles or, or names. And then it, it would be under that, you'd have like any technology that's in, um, involved and the documents that are involved, things like that. And so then, and you're talking about the needs and the feelings and the behaviors. Yeah. So that's, uh, so that, you know, like I said, it could be, it could be a chart with that information on it. I've seen it done as a circle, you know, people going around the circle and that captures all that same information. That's interesting. Have you, if any of your clients ever reached out to their clients to get any feedback or input on the client journey map? Yeah, not that I know of. I, I know other clients or other businesses and in other industries that I've you know talked to. They they always say that you know the reaction is usually I've never had anybody ask me this before. Yeah, right. That's right. And so it's really it, it's a game changer for the attorney the, or or the service provider and how they think about their work, but it also directly impacts the clients and and hopefully you'll see that positive feedback. You know, I yeah. can see what you're sharing could be used in so many areas, not just in terms of getting clients, but I work, as you know, in the recruiting industry and I work with big law firms and I work with their internal recruiting departments. And I've actually done seminars uh, through National Association of Law Placement, which is their trade association on how to make improvements. And I've never articulated it the way that you have, that that's a client journey map, even if people don't buy or if they don't join an organization, there's a story. 
and bad news travels faster than good news. And so I think that you could use this for recruiting, for client development, for other types of ways that you have to get people to join or buy something. Uh, so that's really interesting. Have you have you seen any law firms kind of push back on this whole concept? And maybe not necessarily just law firms, but any sort of larger organizations like this is just too much work or anything like that? Yeah, it really depends on the on the field, on the industry, because a lot of companies like Apple that we talked about earlier and other uh, companies, you know, they're already using human-centered design and design thinking in other areas. And they just don't always think to apply that to, uh, you know, client acquisition or client care after acquisition, you know? So I think that answer is always, yes. There's always pushback, especially lawyers. I don't, I think every industry thinks their people are the most resistant to change. So, but I think lawyers might take the cake, but I don't know. (laughs) So, you know, so there's always, always that pushback of like, you know, I just don't want to take the time. I don't see the value in it. But I think that you can look across other industries and see examples where it really does make a difference. And one other side benefit, I think, would be that the staff that aren't real owners, they don't have any equity. They may have emotional equity and that's it. I'd be willing to bet that if they see their leaders going through this kind of exercise, it sends a signal as to what the culture is really all about. That we really care about our clients. We really want to make sure that they get the best experience possible. I'd be willing to bet that the side benefit is also retention of staff because they want to be with the winning team that's taking steps to really win the hearts and minds of their clients and retain their clients by really drilling down on this. So let me ask you another question. Once we have this client journey map, what's kind of the next big rock in the bucket, so to speak, where organizations need to focus to to really improve their experience? Yeah, well, I think the journey map is might point out holes or gaps that you think oh, this could be better. I mean, it's yeah, you want to ask like what what's the low hanging fruit? Like, what is something that I think would be easier to improve? And let's start with that and go go from there. But you also know you mentioned the staff and I'm really glad you brought that up because it's really important that the staff obviously has input into the processes. And also you need to make sure they do feel valued and have them get more motivated to provide that top level service, whether they're the person that creates the invoices or the person that, you know, just whatever role they have. And I always, one metaphor that gets used a lot for uh, this concept is the stage of theater. So the clients, the audience, hmm. managing attorney or managing provider is a, is a person on the stage. The backstage, you've got all the people that are making sure the scenery is moved and the props are in the right place and the curtains go up and down when they're supposed to. And, you know, all that backroom stuff that happens to make that production look great to the audience. And so I think that's just a really big mindset shift for people in service industries because, like I said, products tend to think more about their users, but with services, I think we we think, well, we're not Apple. We don't make phones. We provide service and every client is slightly different. How do we make this a thing? And and I think it's like, no, you can, you can make it a design and experience around that's, your own product or service. That's interesting. And I like that metaphor that gives a visual in terms of how it's supposed to be in terms of how you can get everybody to see what their role is to really make the audience get that great experience. What are some of the challenges and the pitfalls as an organization goes through this? They start with the client journey map and all the other things. They look for improvements, low-hanging fruit, like you mentioned. 
what are some of the areas that they need to watch out for, certain pitfalls that they might want to avoid as they go through this process? Well, a lot of people, like we've already talked about, the resistance to change, but also the, you know, the kind of like, okay, we've done it. You know, we've done it, it's done. We don't need to do right. it again. And right. I think that the, that mindset of like, okay, we've done it. We never need to look at this again is just not, that'll get you stuck. You know, you're not going to make progress. And, and that might work for a couple of years or a few months even, but then in a year, you know, you just need to keep iterating and keep check in with your clients, check in with the staff, check in with the, the managing partners or whoever's, you know, check in with everybody and make sure everyone is still providing that service and still meeting those client needs, still getting what they need to provide that high level service. And so, and sometimes you need to tweak things. It's constant, constantly tweaking and improving. You know, so that, that can be a challenge for some firms because they just like, it's like fix it and forget it. And that doesn't really work with really what you're trying to achieve with going to the effort of making your client journey maps and understanding what your staff and support people need. So that's one challenge I would say is, is very typical. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It's not fix it and forget it. How often do you think they should go back? Let's say they've launched it and they've implemented changes. They start with the low hanging fruit. They see where here's some opportunities. How often should they regroup and meet to discuss the plan and to make subsequent changes after they've got some momentum going? Yeah, I mean, I think that really depends. True lawyer fashion, it depends. <laughs> so <laughs> on, you know, it's, it's, if they're getting positive feedback and things are going well, then maybe you don't need to check in for you know six months or a year even. And then, but if you're still if you're not seeing the results, then maybe you need to tweak something. And so you go back. You may not have to go all the way back to the blank drawing board, but maybe you're you're making more of an effort to revisit it sooner rather than later. And right. I think that you can just get a lot, you create that culture, like you mentioned, where, you know, people are invested in it because they they see the benefit and, and it motivates, everybody's kind of motivated on the same page. So, you know, they're going to pick up on things like, hey, so you have to create that culture where people feel feel comfortable is coming and saying, hey, you know, I know we've improved this, but I think what if we did this? Like we have to create that, foster that communication of like, we're always seeking to improve it. So I don't want to miss out on an opportunity just because it's not my time for my yearly review when, you know, Sam over there has this great idea of how we could just tweak this and maybe it would be an improvement. So, you know, it's, it's really up to the, it depends on the circumstances of the, of the service and what, how it's being implemented. Okay. That that's good. And so tell me this then, tell me an organization that you worked with and you don't have to mention their name, but what were the challenges they had before they hired you? What were kind of the major areas that you focused on and where they made improvements and what was the result? How soon was it that they started seeing some positive results from their efforts? Yeah, well, I was a firm that had a, a large client base and things were just really inconsistent. Like when they would get an intake call, sometimes you know, this person over here, person A would answer the phone and they would give a different experience, you know, a different speech or whatever than person B. And so there was just a lot of inconsistency and clients were not being like qualified correctly. And so they were getting matters that didn't really fit. And it was just, it was just all kind of chaos. It was like, some people were just like signing up everybody they talked to. Other people were being more selective and, and it was just the, there was no clear messaging. There was no clear plan for how to onboard these clients and to qualify the leads. So I came in and I said, you know, so again, I started with the client journey map and 
And I said, well, what, what journey, what do they go on and how do you want that to look? And at that point we were just looking at intake. So what, you know, what are the touch points that the, as the client becomes a client, do they make a phone call? Do they send an email message? You know, I think you've probably talked about sales funnels before. So you think about like, where, where are they in the funnel and what's that experience like for that client? And so I think that's, so we did that work and I have to give the, this law, it was a law firm credit. They were really open to it. And um, I mean, I'm in the position where people come to me. So they're already right. kind of like, there are already, at least some of them are on board with it, you know, so that's always helpful. But I think that you know, they, so they let me come in and do this and really work with their staff and their other attorneys and, see that to create those maps and implement them. And it really, it did not take long to see an improvement, maybe even a month or two. It was wow, just, that's great. Because it was just like, it's just a mindset shift. And I think you've experienced it all we've been talking. It's like, all the time it's like, oh, you know, it's just like, <laughs> thinking about it. Was it that obvious? Right. <laughs> just like it does. It makes so much sense. And it's a remarkably simple concept, but I know execution is really where Things are all, all you know, really where they can get cumbersome. That's why a consultant like you helps them to execute and take action on that. And so as we bring things to a close here, Catherine, if you could suggest three action steps people can take to really get started implementing some of these ideas, what would those three action steps be? Yeah, well, the first one is probably the one you've heard me say about, what, 20 times? <laughs> it would be the, the client journey map. <laughs> and, it's, you know, just to really, and that involves a lot of interviewing, a lot of talking to clients, a lot of talking to your staff and your colleagues to see what what they their perceptions of the client experience is. And, and of course, you if you can talk to actual clients, that's even better. Um, hopefully people have that relationship with clients and they can they can have those conversations because it's so, so valuable. And then the other thing I, I also like is kind of corollary to this, and it's another map, is workflow mapping. So it's similar to a client journey, but it's looking at one particular process. So it could be it could be, you know, if it's a lawyer, it's discovery and how you're going through the process. So you get served with discovery, you draft the responses, you contact the client, like, and the workflow map is like the flow chart that you were describing with mm-hmm. the diamonds for yes or no, you know, mm-hmm. and it also, I think one of the things that I really liked about it when I first inter- was first introduced to it, it's like, oh, that again, that makes so much sense, um, is the swim lanes. So you not only map it left to right, you're also kind of mapping up and down with the roles. And if you have names, that's fine, but roles are fine too. So, you know, you're saying, okay, my the secretary or the paralegal sends the questions to the client, you know, but but before they do that, I need to make sure that I receive the discovery and I've got the secretary preparing the shells for the responses. So they, you know, so that goes up to their box or their lane. And then, so just kind of moves up and down through the lanes. So it telling you who does what. And I think that's really valuable because people see where their work fits in. Yeah, right, and, right. Right. And then like, where does it go next? Like, I'm like, okay, I've done this. Where does it go next? And they just know that. Again, the, and then both maps, it's, they're useless if they just sit in a drawer. So you do, you know, need to implement it either through a software tool. I I use a project management tool called ClickUp, but I think Clio has some of this capability. Um, and other other practice management softwares have this general, you know, some some capability to do this in some fashion. Right. 
want to try to automate it if you can automate the process so that it's obvious when the next step is going. And then the next, if it's an email that needs to go out, boom, you can automate that. Right. And so, but yeah, you just need to figure out what's the right tool or how are we going to implement this boots on the ground? You know, how is say I'm going to know, okay, this is ready to go to the client for signature, or this is ready for the secretary to mark the tables of authorities, which I learned is from doing them myself, but it has to be the very, very, very last thing, right? So, <laughs> well, goes out <laughs> in terms of our structure, that's a really huge number one, <laughs> the client journey map and also the workflow mapping. And I want to ask you about some resources on this here in a second, but if we could kind of team up for two more action steps, what do you think those would be for people listening? Oh, I was listing those separate actions. Okay. <laughs> so the journey map, the workflow map, and then the implementation. Got it. Okay, good, good. Okay, good. That was my mistake. So the workflow, workflow, and then what was the third one? Implementation? Implementation. Yeah, usually using a tool, a software tool or something to try to make it as possible. Are there any software tools that you recommend for this? Any ideas that, or things that you've seen work effectively in the past? Yeah, my favorite tool that I use is called ClickUp. And I just sort of fell into it, but I love it. It's really versatile. It can be a little bit of a learning curve because it, it it's not as intuitive as some of the other ones that are out there. But I feel like it's really, you can do a lot of customization on it with at the lower price points, which is something that, that isn't oh, true other ones out there. But any project management tool would be able to do this. And, and also a CRM, if you, sometimes you can use ClickUp or something else as a CRM, it might just take some customization, but a lot of other firms, like, like with law firms, I know it's Clio Grow, I think is, is basically a CRM, any way of tracking that, that lead and how they go through the process to become a client. So that would be implemented. That, that's a way to implement the client journey. That's great, Catherine. And then tell us about your offerings. What services do you have and that you do that you'd like our listeners to know about? Yeah, well, like I said, I'm a lawyer, so I primarily work with law firms and I do a lot of process improvement. So go coming in and saying like, like, like we were talking about with the client journey mapping is coming in and figuring out what, what processes do you have and how can we make them better? How do we better understand the client's needs? And then develop services around that or, or marketing around that, whatever it is. And then during the clients, if they become a client and while you're providing services to those clients, what else do you need to make sure that that experience is also smooth for the client? So I come in and look at kind of what, what's, what they're already doing and where the gaps are, what could be improved. I usually turn to the workflow maps as well. I think that's a right. really important first step for clients or for my clients to really get, get them on paper, you know, get them understand what, what needs to go where and what the steps are. And because I think that we just don't take the time to do that. And we, right. it's all in our heads, right? That's what I hear all the time. It's all in our heads. And I was on a phone call with a, a person, yeah, a lawyer, and she was like, yeah, you know, I, I really need more support from my staff. You know, I was up at night before this hearing and I was thinking, oh, I should probably have a binder. And she was kind of lamenting <laughs> the fact that her staff didn't prepare a binder for her. And I'm like, well, you know, what did you have you told them or have you mapped out that process <laughs> and implemented it somehow? So they know, you know, maybe three or four days before the hearing, they should ask you if you want a binder. You know, and so I think that, that just having those implementation pieces in there. So that's what I help clients do. Is like, look, let's get this out 
in paper, get the process down, get it implemented so that you can better serve your clients more efficiently. And I think more profitably because you save a lot of time. This is great, Catherine. Thank you for being on the show. We're going to put your links to re- for people to reach you and also your LinkedIn link so that people can connect with you directly. We'll put that on the show notes. Everybody that's listening, if you want to reach out to Catherine directly, just go to the show notes wherever you hear this podcast and you'll be able to reach her directly. Thank you for being here. Great job. Great information. I learned a lot today and I know our listeners did also. And I'd love to have you back on talking about project management because I know this rabbit hole can go pretty deep. There's probably yes. a lot more that we can <laughs> talk about. So yes. thank you again for being here today, Catherine. Yes, thank you, Scott. It was great. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com. Thank you.